All righty. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord's good, yes? Yes. Y'all are not just be sitting there. You had a week off last week, so you need to be all rested up for church, right? It's hot in here, man. But if you go back and turn it down or, you know, whatever it is, then women will be mad. Becky will be mad. I said that because she's not in here and she gets mad at me. Well, a couple weeks ago, Becky gave a pretty great message on the church. How many people were here then? If you didn't hear it, you should go listen to it. Uh, You probably should have been here. You missed church. Come on. (laughs) Just joking. It was good. I I was very blessed by that, that word she gave. Um, I dare not talk about such things, but because God don't really talk to me much about that anymore. But I had a good time last Sunday being at home, you know, because, you know, the Scripture says this is the day that the Lord has made. Amen. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. And, and so no matter what your day is, it's a day that the Lord has made. Amen. And God wants to teach us how to find Him every day. Another great scripture that goes along with that is in uh, Gospel of John. I think it's verse 5. It says, it says that, uh, well, basically, this is Byron Wicker paraphrase. Jesus is the light, and the darkness did not overcome him. And that light is inside of you and me. And so every day we can have victory because we're carrying light in us. And so no matter how your day goes, okay, and no matter what happens, You've overcome because the darkness has not overcome you. So if you're sitting here this morning, no matter what you've gone through in your life, let me just say this. No matter what you've gone through, you're sitting here today, your heart's towards the Lord, the, the darkness didn't overcome you. You're an overcomer. You need to know that. And that's what Jacob was talking about. Get that heaviness off in you. Why are you, why are you heavy feeling? You have light in you. Tap into that light. That light's actually a fire that burns inside of you. And when you begin to really uh, tap into the fire in you, that's what pa- why Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, hey, stir this thing up in you, the gift of God, Christ in you. Stir that up in you. Don't let uh, the ashes of life, the ashes of disappointment, whatever you carry, don't let it cover the fire. Man, if Christians would start taking care of the fire inside of them, You'll be different. Your life will be different. Am I, do, am I talking to anybody this morning? Or am I talking to people who don't even know about the fire? You need to find out about the fire of God. That's the Holy Ghost, really. I mean, honestly. And He's the fire. He came like uh, it says in Acts. He, when He came on the, on the body of Christ, is He came like tongue, there were tongues of fire. That's how He came initially for the church. And that fire has went into us. And it wants to be released out of you. So, thank you, Lord. Amen. So, stop being a complaining, whiny Christian. I'm just telling you. You need somebody to knock you around when you get like that. You know, hit you or something. Uh, Not my job to hit you. Okay? I get hit enough. Becky slaps me around when I get to be a complaining, whiny Christian. You know... Here's one thing I would like to encourage you about, though. Um, not that I wasn't trying to encourage you this then. You know, this is something Becky and I have talked about a lot, and I have thought about this so much in my life, is, is 
is what we say, really, according to James, it's going to direct your life. You're going to get what you say. You know, so you need to pay attention to what's coming out of your mouth all the time. Okay? It's important, you know, uh, singing's important because you're, it's important if you're singing truth because you're saying something that's truthful. And there's an impact in the spiritual realm when we begin to speak truth. Lots of time in our life is we talk about our problems a lot, right? There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, we should talk about them, and we pray, pray about them. But I think there's a time coming when we need to start speaking out solutions, okay? And, and so talk about your problems. Process. That's called processing. That's good for you. Lots of times it gets these negative emotions off of you, and, and as you're talking, the truth is coming, the truth is being re- revealed to your heart. But there comes a time when you need to stop talking about them and start speaking out solutions. Yeah. Amen. And you'll be, be astounded about what will start happening in your life. Answers will begin to come. Solutions will begin to come and get released for you. But if all you talk about is your problems, what you don't have, what went wrong, this or that, it's you're hindering the solutions. You're hindering God. Jesus, what did Jesus say in Mark 11? He did not say, pray about your mountain, which is your problem. He did not say that. He said, speak to it. So you're speaking a solution to your problem. The Lord's your, your solution. And He'll give you voice to how He wants that solution expressed. If you're willing to, to stop just talking about it, stop just praying about it, and start speaking, speaking to it. That's really the truth. And so, how many, how many people got some problems this morning? Everybody? Well, if you don't, you're, you're already dead. <laughs> you don't got no problem. Let's take a moment. I want you to do this. Stand up if you can. I want you to think about the, let's think about the one problem that really you want, you just need something from the Lord on. And I want you to say out loud, you don't have to scream it, you know, especially if it's something really dirt, dirty and dark. <laughs> Some of you have dirty and dark problems. Believe it or not, Christians have those. And, uh, but Jesus is the answer. But just f- let's speak to that thing right now. Speak it out with your tongue. Because, see, your problem, your mountain is going to listen to your voice. It's your voice and the Holy Ghost voice in you. They're not going to listen to me. My, Marlon's problems are not listening to me. They're going to listen to Marlon. He has authority over those things. So let's speak them out for a minute. Let's just take a moment. Start speaking. Come on, I need to hear some noise in this room. Don't just sit there with your mouth closed thinking it. Speak it. Speak it. Speak to that thing. Tell that thing it's going to have to go. Tell them you're putting the blood of Jesus on it. You're bringing the name of the Lord. You're inviting the Holy Spirit into that problem. Holy Spirit, come into my problems. Come into this situation, Lord. Come into my family, Lord. Come into my children, Lord. Come into my grandchildren, Lord. They got problems. They got issues. Lord, I just speak to them right now. I speak to those demons that are trying to destroy and kill. I speak to them. You don't have a right to my family. You do not have a right to my family. You don't have a right to my grandchildren. I condemn what you're doing. I break your power and your commission over their life in Jesus' name. Word of the Lord, come to my family. Word of the Lord, come to me. Word of the Lord, come into my situation. We just thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We just worship you, Lord. You're good. You're so sweet, Lord. Yes, you are. You're sweet, Lord. You're sweet.
you know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs, I think it's Proverbs 9 or 10, it says uh, wisdom, wisdom, which is God. You can sit down or you can stand up through the mess. I'd love for you to stand up the whole time. That way you know how I feel. But it says, uh, it says wisdom has, uh, one of the translations says, wisdom has sent out her maiden, her maidens. Those are angels. They've been sent out to us. You know, Hebrews talks about messengers of fire. They're messengers of fire because they're trying to get to the fire in you. Because fire goes to fire. All right. Thank you, Lord. All right. Let me read this verse here. And I'm going to tell you a few things. This is, this is the summary, the introduction. This is actually, I'm going to give you an introduction to my message which actually is the finish of the message I gave you three weeks ago, which probably you don't remember. But I don't really care if you remember, because remembering is not at the top of the list. It's about third, you know. The Holy Spirit can remind you. This is a a very famous verse that we love. It says, uh, in this manner, it's Matthew 6, Therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's amazing, isn't it? I love that. It never ceases to speak to me. But So when the Lord was teaching His disciples, we call it the Lord's Prayer, right? But it's really not His prayer. It was our prayer. John 17 is the Lord's Prayer. I don't know why people got that mixed up who decided to call this the Lord's Prayer. But this is our prayer. It's our prayer. And so He was teaching His disciples. So He began, he began to... This is... a the thing he began with, our Father. And so, our Father is a relational statement, okay? It's a, let me say this word, covenant statement. It's an invitation for people to step in to who they really are, to step into their true identity as sons and daughters, right? That's what it is. And so, he, he brings this, and that includes everything that is, that is such a big statement. It includes, it embodies much of what the church has gone after in, in recent years. Of knowing God as a father. Knowing your true identity. Who you really are. Your core identity. Not your outward identity. Not what you do. It's who you really are. And, and see, see, that's what Jesus was inviting people into. He was inviting them into something that was very profound that will change your life. This relationship, that you can have this relationship with God as your Father. And you can begin to know who you are. And in that knowing who you are, knowing who He is, you can begin to understand why you were created and why you're on this earth. And you can begin to understand all the stuff you go through. Okay? You can begin to get perspective on it. You can begin to hear God's wisdom on on your life. And the tragedies that you've gone through in your life. Because people go through tragic things. Right? And it's, it's confounding to us. But as we enter into this relationship and we begin to find who we are, we find who God really is, that's the most important thing. And so, and it's just amazing that if when we start tapping into that and really drawing on that and living out of that, not just, it's not just a theology, it's not just a doctrine. It's, it's life itself. It's life itself. We talked about Jesus dying on the cross. What Dean said was so profound. That's the doorway. That's walking into a house that's full of treasure. It's the beginning. 
the treasures of living in a house with a father who is wealthy beyond measure and who has created everything and has everything at his, at his disposal. And that's what that is. That's what a, a covenant statement is. But he doesn't stop there. Uh, the second phrase is, your kingdom come. That's pretty powerful, right? And so you have this thing, uh, king, covenant and kingdom. Y'all hear this? And, and let me just say this. You can, and I think this is, like I say, this is my introduction. I said this recently. You can go through the entire Bible starting in Genesis all the way through Revelation, and you can see a flow of those two truths. That the whole Bible, you can begin to think about the Bible as you read it. What is, this, what is he talking about here? Is he, is he talking about covenant or is he talking about kingdom? Or have they both merged together in these, these verses like this one? And so when we begin to see that, we can begin to know what the heart of God is in a bigger way. So in covenant, it's about our identity as sons and daughters. But in kingdom, it's about our... Let me just say this word. It's about our identity as servants. Everybody say servants. Servants. See, here, here's the confounding thing. Paul seemed to revel. The apostle Paul seemed to revel by calling himself a bond servant. You know what a bond servant is? Do y'all know what that is? It's a servant who, in those days, who was, you know, he was a slave to a person. The person owned him. And the year Jubilee came, or just somebody paid this guy out to get out of being a servant, but the servant so much loved his master who owned him that he made a choice in his heart. No, I don't want to leave this master. Because he loves me, I love him. I'm really more like a son to him than a slave. And so they would do this ceremony. It's in somewhere in the Bible. Gosh, it's something. Huh? Where? Leviticus? It's in Leviticus where they would take this, uh, what they call an owl, which is a little brown piece. What's an owl in today's language? Huh? All? Okay, I don't know how to talk. It's true. All. All, all, all. A-W-L. A little thing, and they'd punch it through their ear. Right? Huh? Yeah, through a door. They would take it and hammer it through their ear, right? And that would signify that forever he had attached himself to this master. Isn't that beautiful? And forever he would be enslaved in a very awesome way. And so Paul took up that language and said, I'm a bondservant. Among other things, he was a, an apostle, you know, but he... He did not. So here's the problem, okay? Let me just say this. Here's your problem. Here's my problem. We confuse these things. That's why covenant and kingdom are vital to us. Revelation about the covenant of God, revelation about the kingdom of God. So covenant speaking, we're sons. We're free. We are in. We do nothing to do, get that except believe. We don't try to become sons. We don't try to get in. We're in. And see, when you believe that, when that's convinced in your heart, you'll change. And it's beautiful. It's amazing. It'll change your life. When you get, when you're in, when instead of trying to get in, you find out you're already in. I've already been included. I'm in. I'm in with God. And what God has, He's going to begin to share with me and give to me. Because Not because of anything I've done. It's because of who I am. I'm a son. But... There's this whole other aspect that runs through the Bible. It's about the kingdom of God. And in terms of the kingdom of God, we're servants. 
Because God has called us to be kings and priests in His kingdom. That has to do with serving. Y'all got an awful quiet about that. You know? And so I feel this thing in me. I feel relationship is vital. It's everything. But at the same time, there's this word that keeps coming in the back of my head. It's called, I told Becky, she was trying, I was trying to explain this to her. You know, it's called ACTS. A-C-T-S. ACTS. God has called. That's why there's a book in the Bible after the gospel called ACTS. It's what the people did based on who they were in Christ. And it caused something to happen in them. We're not supposed to be dead seas. We're not supposed to just receive from God and nothing ever changes outside of ourselves. Are y'all following this? This is really important. I'll tell you, this is what I feel the Holy Spirit's been just... Because I love the whole identity thing. I love all that relational side. I mean, that's the pursuit. That's the pursuit. But there's this other thing that's in God's heart that yearns in His heart. And He's looking for people who will become like Paul, like a bondservant. And say, I'm going to attach myself to you as a servant. Servant is not my identity. That's what I'm doing. That, I'm just doing that because God has gifted me and empowered me in a certain way. And I'm choosing to do that because there's something in me that says, I'm supposed to be a king and a priest unto the Lord. And I'm supposed to represent Him on this earth. Are y'all following this? It's really important. You know, here's something I wrote down. Don't just pursue the blessings of God. That's important. The blessings of God, His favor, His wonder, and His gifts that He gives you as a son and daughter. But also seek the power of God so that you can become God's blessings to other people. Are y'all hearing that? See, it's foolish for us just to stop at receiving all the anointing and all the wonderful giftings and things that God wants to give us. All the encounters, all that. I love all of that. I could live in that. I could just check out of life and just live in an encounter with the Lord, but the Lord says, no. No, sir. That's not why you're here. If you want to live in that, you can do that when you get to heaven, and we'll figure out what that looks like then. But let me read this Acts 19.11 to you. This is one that God's been just over and over in my mind. Woo, mercy. Are you okay? Now, listen. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. You get that? Are y'all getting this? Let me just say something. Paul the Apostle was not some special, unique person that set him apart from everybody else. It says God worked unusual miracles. It didn't say Paul. It says God worked. But it does say this, by whose hands? Listen, God's looking for hands. God's looking for feet. God's looking for people. Are y'all hearing that? Now, you might say, oh, no, Paul especially get it. It doesn't, you know, we'll figure that. You, you and God are going to figure out what that looks like practically in your life. But I believe God is looking for people who, who's, who's willing to say, you want to do unusual miracles with me, Lord? Through my hands? Are you willing to do that? Or you, would, would you like to be that person? Some, some people would. I'll tell you this, what's going to happen to you? If you said yes, who said yes? Stand up if you, want to, if you believe that in your life. 
Just, I mean, if you're saying, God, I mean, you're sincerely saying, Lord, I want you. Well, here's what you're asking for. You're asking for persecution. Because you are going to get persecuted over this. Because when the power of God shows up, guess who else shows up? The devil is not going to sit back and let this happen without trying to make a mess of things. And he will persecute you. Your, some people in your family will come against you. They did Jesus. Right? You can sit back down. I'm sorry you've signed up for the wrong thing. No, you've signed up for the right thing. That's what God's looking for. And so we begin to pray and ask Him, Lord, how does this work in my life? What does this look like in my life? And allowing God to begin to work that in your life. Okay, I'm really happy about this. Let me give you one more scripture. Okay, Matthew 6, 33. This, is, this summarizes these two thoughts. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. See what He said. Seek first the kingdom and His righteousness. His righteousness. Righteousness literally means right standing with God, right relationship with God. Okay? So we're to seek to a deeper thing with serving Him and a deeper thing with who we are as sons and daughters and who He is. That's what that's telling us. Those are the things you're supposed to seek in life more than anything else. Okay? Are y'all hearing this? And, and, and Jesus promises if you will make those your top priorities in your life, your top focus, then all the other issues in your life, all the other things you're looking for in life, how many, how many is looking for something in life? You're looking for a job. You're looking for a spouse. You're looking for money. You're looking for a career. You're looking for friendship. Are you, are you normal and you look for those things? Are you abnormal and you got everything? Some Christians are abnormal. Oh, we got everything in Christ. Like, duh, no, you don't. The work of the cross is finished with Jesus, but it ain't finished in me. I, if it is finished, it's a mess. It has fallen short, right? I'm letting the work of the cross work its way through me. Okay? And so he's promised us when we begin to seek his kingdom and his righteousness, right relationship and servant, being servant in his kingdom, becoming those kings and priests, then all the other stuff in life that's important to us, obviously, he's going to work it out for us. He will get involved in it. And he'll begin to do things for you and I. That's what he wants to do. But if we're not seeking him first, there's no guarantee he will get in those other things. And I can tell you one thing. If you don't seek it first, you're probably going to make a mess of some of those other things. They're going to be, a, they're going to be messy for you. you. You hear me? And, and I, I think it's, are y'all getting anything out of this? I think it's really important for us that we seek both. Okay? I really do. I think when we go off on this, in this mindset, well, I'm going to do this ministry, I'm going to do this. You know what starts happening? You, you get messed up. You, you really get, in fact, Jesus talked to some guys who were doing all this stuff, and he said, what did he say to them? I never knew you. They left the relationship part out and went after the power of God, and he was saying, don't, don't do that. But I think on, on the other hand, you, when we begin to have this relationship with him, he, he's going to provoke you. If you're really walking, he's going to provoke you to serve that, because that's who he is. He serves he washes people's feet. He, that's what he said. I didn't come to be served. I've come to serve. That's what Jesus said. And so when we begin to have this relationship, that heart of his is going to rise in us. 
And so the Lord really wants us to, to encourage us along these lines. Are y'all good this morning? And so that was my introduction to, to finishing. I want to finish this thing with Abraham. Y'all don't remember that. That's what I was talking about a few weeks ago. Y'all just look at me like, how'd he go from that to Abraham? <laughs> what kind of preacher is this? Well, it's one that's all over the road. It really is. I was telling Becky the other day, Becky, I've been thinking. You've been thinking. Like, duh, what's different? You're always thinking. Stop thinking. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot because God's been speaking to me a lot. You know? And I think, I'm thinking, <laughs> I think there's a shift that's happened with us. I think there's a shift that's happened in this church. I can't, I can't explain it, but something has shifted. And my heart is, I'm shifting with it, whatever some, that something is. My heart is, if that, I'm going with what, where you're going, God. I'm not going where I've been, where you've been. I'm going where you are now and where you're headed. And that's really the, the important thing for me. And I think when we dive in to, to really asking God to give us revelation about his covenant heart and about his kingdom heart, it will help you immensely. Instead of ABC, do these three things to have a better life, that is the beginning of a better life. It's be, the beginning of the life that God has for you. All these things will be added. I'll start fixing problems. I'll start giving you masterful solutions. So anyways, let me read this Genesis 15, 7 through 9. Are y'all with me now? I've made a very hard transition. Uh, so here's Abraham. This is, and the reason Abraham's important is he's the father of faith, right? He's like the, the original He's the original relational guy in the Bible, the original one that really walked it out. Of course, we had other people before him like Adam and Eve who walked with the Lord. Enoch walked with God. It was no more. But they didn't tell us nothing. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't give us no information, right? Noah had this. The only information they gave about Noah was how he built this ark and he was a preacher of righteousness. It didn't delve into the intricacies of relationship and, and relating with God. But Abraham was the guy that the Bible has delved in. In fact, up until Jesus' time, all the Hebrews considered Abraham the father. He was the prototype father. He was the representative of the father. He was the shadow of God the father on the earth. Once Jesus came, he began to reveal the father. And the Abraham was just an example for people. Isn't that amazing when you think about it? So I'll encourage you, study Abraham's life. It, it's profound when you do. It's just amazing. He was the father of faith, and he gives us information about what it looks like to walk a life of faith on this earth. What faith looks like worked out in your everyday crummy life. I'm serious. When, when things are crummy, he faced crummy stuff. He made choices that weren't wise. But we see how God would, would always move in his life because he had a relationship with God. And, and he didn't allow his, his bad choices to separate him from God and disqualify him. So, yeah. So, the Lord and him are having this conversation. Uh, this is the Lord speaking. Then he said to him, Genesis 15, I am the Lord who brought you out of the earth, right? Come on, y'all, help me of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. 
And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So here's two things. This, this is extra information. I am the Lord God who brought you out. Everybody said brought you out. Here's something you need to get about God. God never brings you out of something or God never takes something from you without wanting to bring you into something. That's really important. I was, we was taught that as young Christians. It's a, it's a principle out of Hebrews 10 that God, He takes away the first to establish the second. The same wind that blows people or whatever out of your life will blow new stuff into you. And you're going to find that out in your walk with God. There's going to be times where stuff gets blown out of your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? That's hard. But when you begin to really realize that that stuff is being blown out to make room for something more and something better. Peter went to the Lord, I think it's in Mark 10, or complaining to the Lord one day and said, Lord, we've given up, I've given up all kinds of stuff to follow you. I've given up relationships. I've given up an amazing uh, business, fishing. He didn't say those exact words, but he was complaining to the Lord about what they had, what he and, and the other 12 had given up to follow this man Jesus all over the place. And you know what Jesus said to him? He said, if you've given up anything to follow me, I'll give it back to you a hundred times. Now, let me tell you something. That's, that's outrageous. How much, if, say you gave, a hundred, gave up a hundred dollars to follow the Lord. What's a hundred times a hundred? How much is it? So you're going to get $10,000. I'm just putting it in dollars because y'all all love money so much. <laughs> you know? Well, y'all need to be true, but everybody likes to have a bunch of money, right? I'm just giving this carnal to get your attention, to keep to wake you up. But see, here's what, here's what works in us. There's a, a poverty spirit that works in us that hinders the Lord from be, doing that for us. There's a poverty spirit that hinders God from doing what He says He wants to do for people. We believe, we, we, we want to hold on to everything. We want to grasp at things. We want to grasp at whatever. Grasp at the move of the Lord. Grasp at your money. Grasp at, at your relationships. Because there's something working in you that says you're going to lose. And you're, going to, you're going to lose it. It's going to be gone. And you're going to be left with nothing. You're going to be lonely and you're going to be an old man with nobody. That's poverty. Because if God is saying that thing needs to move out of your life because I've got to move something back at the end of your life that's much better. Uh, are y'all following that? That's a, kind of an important thing. So that's what the Lord was telling Abraham. I didn't bring you out of your home, your family, your relationships, the nice life that Abraham had, because he had a good life, if you study it historically, where he lived was a pretty modern city. I think I told you, that they had, somehow they had hot, it was solar obviously, hot and cold running water in the city he lived in. It was through solar and collections. You know, it's not like they had electricity back then. Right? Or gas. Are y'all following this? I didn't bring you out of that comfort and that style of life to let you live like as, 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 a, as a guy in a tent in a field to lose all that, lose all your comfort, lose all you lost. I brought you out of that to give you something. And when God brings us out of the world, 
And he asks us to give up things that are in the world, the world stuff. He's not saying, I want to take that from you. He said, get, I want that out of your life to give you something much better. Because that's just in the way. That's, that's the mind of the Lord. Are y'all all right? And the second thing I want to throw in here is, uh, Abraham said, Lord, this is verse 8. Lord God, how? Everybody say how. How shall I know that I will inherit it? Ooh, mercy. Now here, this is important for you. I'm just telling you some things I've had to learn the hard way. That, what I just said to you is, was a, has been a hard lesson in my life of letting go of things, letting go of good stuff. Letting go is hard. So those have been hard things for me to learn, learning, and just keep going back and fighting that spirit of poverty that wants to attach itself to me. And, and it's a threat. But also another thing that's been real hard for me in my life is the how question when the Lord speaks to you about something. You know what I'm talking about? The Lord spoke to Abraham, this is what I'm going to do. How are you going to do it, Lord? That's your first question, right? Look, Byron, I've called you to be a pastor. How is that going to work? How in the world will I ever do that, Lord? And so here's what happens. How, I, I love this, years ago, I had so many arguments with God about how. He would speak to me something. He would speak what to me. This is what I want you to do. And my first question is how, and I could not get past the how. I would wrestle with God over how, and I spent forever wrestling with it about how stuff. And I went down to this conference down in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, and this guy, Roland Baker, I, probably some of you have heard of Heidi Baker and Roland, ba- Roland Baker. Well, this guy, you know, they, that old saying, behind every uh, successful man is a successful woman. Have y'all heard something like that? It's sort of being nice to women kind of statement. <laughs> giving women credit <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> believe me i'm kidding it's true you know because most successful men they've got some woman back there in the background making sure things work the way they need to work well you know Heidi baker is like one of the most successful missionaries ever right she's like an apostle really uh i mean successful on so many levels thousands of churches and miracles and disciples and but Roland Baker is sort of the successful man behind Heidi Baker's successful ministry. He makes that thing work. And he was sharing about some of the miracles, unstupid miracles. I mean, just like, what? And he said this. He had to learn, you know, God would tell him to do something. That's the what. And the Lord had to teach him, stay out of the how. Because if you get involved in the how, you're going to get hung up. And I got a deliverance that night. I, I thought, oh, God, I came here to hear that one thing out of that man's mouth because I had been hung up in my life about near about everything God asked me to do. I wasn't doing half of what he asked me to do because I was so so hung up on how's this going to work? How can I do this? Instead, you see, how belongs to God. You hear what I'm saying to you? How belong? What is ours? He gives us the what? Uh, Abraham. This is what I want to do for you. I want to bless you and give you this land. All righty, it's mine. You know, I'm, go- I'm going for this land. How are we going to do this, Lord? Don't worry about how. I'll fix the how. Well, here's the key. How involves relationship, okay? 
Because the next thing the Lord said to him, are y'all getting anything out of this? This is fascinating to me. This helps me in my relationship with the Lord, okay? Just everyday relationship. And it helps me to do, to discern and do what he's asking me to do. Everyday stuff and unique, special stuff. It helps me to be able to do it because I, sort of, I sort of understand this is how God works. This is how He flows. Teach me your ways, O oh Lord. That's, this, is what, this is what I'm trying to I hope you, you can see some of this for yourself. So um, He said, bring me a three-year-old heifer. Now, three-year-old is important. Farm people know this, right? Three-year-old is productive livestock. Just in case you didn't know that. That's in the Bible for a reason. Like, he didn't say, bring that old decrepit cow over there that's about on its last leg, because you're not going to need it anymore anyway. No, he said, no, bring me those productive ones, those young, strong ones. That's what he was saying. Ooh, Lord, ask for things sometimes. Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, isn't that powerful? And a three-year-old ram, that's a male goat, right, or something, right? A male sheep, there's a difference. Three-year-old ones, big, you know, lives. Like I say, this is important. A turtle dove, which is a something, a, you know, a dove. <laughs> yeah, it's not a turtle that crawls on the ground. <laughs> and a young pigeon, okay? So he brought all that stuff out to the Lord, okay? Uh, it says in verse 10, let's look at verse 10. Then he brought all of these to the Lord to, and, and cut them in two. See, now Abraham understood this. He understood this is how covenants are made. This wasn't a new deal to him. He'd already made covenants. He understood there's, there's these sacrifices. There's this bloodshed. There's this trail of blood that has to be walked. Y'all get that? He cut them in two and laid on one side this, one side that. That's what he did. Creating this bloody passageway. Are y'all getting this? This is so good. This, this is fascinating. That's what he did. So he did all that, cut them down the middle, and placed each piece opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in two, obviously, because they were too little. I guess he put one on one side and on the other side of all this bleeding, messy, smelly, blood, exposed inwards. There it was. And so... You know, in the uh, the blood of you know, you know what the blood means, right? It means surrender. Your your a life is being surrendered. So this is a lot. Of this is symbolic of what happened to Christ when he was being beaten by the Romans, that he was cut open and ripped apart. So you see, this this thing that's going on here with Abraham and God is very very profound to our Christian life. It's, it's the essence of the cross. It's the essence of the blood of Jesus. Okay? It really is. It's the essence of how God has chosen to relate to us and connect with us. And Abraham is just a, just a picture, a physical picture of all that. It's really amazing. And so, and then in verse 11, it says, And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, right? Vultures come to carcasses. Right? Vultures come in our lives. I hate to say this. This is a very profound thing happening, but the, like I said, the devil's showing up. The devil's going to show up. 
And the vultures came down, and Abraham had to drive them away. That's what it says. He drove them away. Now, this is important for us, I think, because there's been times in my life where I feel like, I've, well, there's just warfare, okay? There's all kinds of different vultures that will come into your life. Like, here's one of the greatest vultures in America right now, the vulture of busyness. I'm busy. You're going to have to beat that thing out of your life. The vulture of insecurity. So many Christians are insecure. They got this demon working on them, keeping them insecure. So they hold back. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody here know about being insecure? You know, what what's some other vultures? Oh, the vultures of the cares of this life. The vultures of the desire for other things. The vultures of whatever fits you. Huh? The vultures of, Becky said this, social media. What? Come on right here, Becky. And t- oh, Dean said it. Dean said that. That's Dean's fault. <laughs> if you're feeling bad about your social media activity right now, you probably should. Because <laughs> it's a vulture in your life. <laughs> and you're going to have to beat vultures away. God did not beat those vultures away for Abraham. God equips us to deal with them. But He expects us to deal with them. He expects us to face them and resist them and push back on them. And so here's this bloody passageway. The devil smells the blood and he comes running. When you start, the blood of Christ begins, starts to become a real issue, a real deal in your life. He's coming. And he's going to try to fight you and try to get from you what God wants you to have. The vulture of your career. I mean, it can become a vulture to you. All that, all that stuff, it, it can be awesome and beautiful things in the right context. You know, let me just say, you know, this is an old saying. What's a blessing at number four in your life is a curse at number two in your life. Do you all understand that? I'm talking about number four in priority in your life. What's your number four priority? If you make that the number two priority, it's going to curse you. It's going to bring problems in your life. That's when it becomes a vulture in your life. Does that make sense? It's really important that we don't allow things to have priority in our life that they are, have too much priority. They're in the wrong place. And those, they become vultures, and they'll start consuming you, and they'll start consuming what God has for you. Because vultures eat some stuff, man. I'm telling you they do. If you ever watch them, they got some big old sharp things on their face and it says he drove them away and now when the sun was going down a deep sleep fell upon Abram isn't that craziness to you he, he's, he's going through this amazing moment and he, go, he goes to sleep you know <laughs> a deep sleep I mean this is not a normal sleep listen this is obviously he was probably tired from messing with them demons right that gets you tired like, I mean, I'm wore out, man. I've been getting my brain speed out this week, fighting, fighting all these emotions and getting, keeping, trying to keep my mouth shut and not saying stuff when I'm all messed up. And, you know, just trying to, Lord, help, you know. Help, and the Lord's helping you. He's giving you grace to not, to not do those things. But at the same time, your emotions are getting worked, right? I mean, you're getting your rear end kicked a little bit. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You feel like it, and you feel whip-filling. 
You feel tired from all that stuff. That stuff will wear you down. It'll make you feel that way. And so he went to sleep, but it wasn't just a normal sleep because it says, and behold, a horror, horror, how do you say that? Horror. horror. I can't really can't say words good. I say I'm good in my mind, but when they come out of my mouth, they don't sound right. I was thinking, oh, Lord. I was trying to say specific this morning to myself. I was like, I can't say that word for some reason. I mess it up every time I say it. All right. On horror and great darkness fell upon him. A horror and great darkness. That's supernatural. Okay? And this is amazing. In verse 13, then the Lord started speaking to Abram. Okay? This is like a, this prophetic word he, the Lord gives him. The Lord starts telling him, this is what's going to happen with your children. And this is what's going to happen with you, Abraham. He became Abraham in the next chapter, chapter 17. This, this is the way things, this is, a, my, this is like God prophetically revealing his future, his children's future. What, I mean, in detail, and every bit of it came true. Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. Know that for certain. And will, ser- and will serve them. That was when they became slaves to the Egyptians. And they will afflict them for 400 years. Isn't that amazing? Here he is with this horrible darkness on him. He's a sound asleep, but there's this darkness all around him. And God begins to speak to him through that darkness. Now, does that tell you something? Does that tell you that many times in life, because we live in a dark, horrible world, Right? We, there's a horror all around us every day. I'm going to tell you, if you don't know that, you've got your head in the ground. There's children being stolen every day around us. There are women being trafficked right down the road from us. There's one of the main trafficking centers an hour and a half away in North Carolina from here. That's horror. There's so, many, so much injustice that's going on around us. All, it's a, there's a darkness that we're not even connecting with. We're not connecting with it because we're, we're dialed into this world. And so what God wants us, He wants to reveal this darkness. He, and he, but here's the, the cool thing. When you're in your darkest, hardest place, He's still speaking. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? God wants to speak to you in this darkness. Just, you, he don't want to just speak to you when, when everything's in the glory realm, right? I, you know, I love the glory realm, but I also realize there's a darkness I have to live in and walk around in. And God wants to speak to me through that darkness. I hope y'all get that. That's kind of important to me. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. They did all that, right? And now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. Isn't that amazing? which means he's going to die. You know, you're going to go to your father's. If God ever tells you that, he's talking about you passing on. <laughs> oh, the Lord's talking about me passing on. And you will be buried at a good old age. You're going to live a long time, Abraham. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete, which is kind of important, but I've got to move on. So, isn't that beautiful? Do y'all think that's beautiful? Are y'all getting how that can apply to your life? That whatever situation, circumstances you're in, God wants to speak through that 
through that horror, through that darkness. It doesn't stop God. What's going on in this world doesn't stop Him from speaking and revealing Himself. It only stops it when we let it stop Him. When we choose that God's not speaking. And so, it came to pass when the sun was down and it it was dark. That's what he was just talking about. That behold, there appeared. This was one of the correct. I remember the first time I ever reading this. Like, what the heck is this? I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, here he is asleep. They've killed these animals. God's prophesying to him. There appeared a smoking oven. Right? The first thought that came to my mind was the oven at home that something was burning in. I'm thinking, okay. <laughs> There's a my oven that God has brought into this thing. You know? Don't you think that's funny? Don't you think it's odd? You know, that God, see, God has some really odd ways about him. Well, that same stupidity on my part is also my same strength because. Although it might seem stupid to think about your oven at home, you know, God has given us all a really good imagination. He just wants to get into your imagination so he can begin to, to speak to you and reveal himself through your imagination. Um, there was a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. Okay? All of a sudden, this oven and this torch is out there. This is in the middle of the desert. Abraham's asleep. Okay? And this oven and this torch starts moving down this bloody passageway. Is that weird? That's kind of weird, right? You know? And, the, and it says, On that same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. That literally means the Lord cut the covenant with Abraham. The Lord did. You see, that oven... And that torch was the Lord. Isn't it interesting that usually when people make covenants, both of them walk down the, they both walk down it. But Abraham was asleep. Right? He was out of it. He didn't ever walk through it. God walked through it. Because God knew this. He knew this. I'm going to make a covenant. These, these guys will never be able to keep this covenant. I mean, they're just incapable of keeping the covenant. So I'm going to do the covenant myself, and I'm just going to invite them into it. I'm going to be the covenant keeper. And that's a lot of what our Christian life is like, right? God did it. We don't do anything for that part. We just believe it. We can sleep through that part. We can rest through that part. That's why we don't have to strive to have a relationship with God. Because God has made the relationship available to us. All he's looking for is somebody to respond and say, yes, don't try to get a relationship with me. Don't try to be good enough. Don't try to get close to me like that. I've already done it for you. I've cut, I've shed the blood for you. You have the relationship. The blood has brought you near. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 2.13. The blood has brought you near. All you need to do is develop that relationship. Go deeper in that relationship. That's all you need to do. Just respond just like you would to another human being. Are y'all following this? This is what the good news really is. God did it. That's why Abraham was sleeping. God was saying, I'm going to do all of this because one day in the future, Christ is going to come and he's going to do the covenant. And you're going to be like 
the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was drinking drops of blood, what were they doing? They were asleep. You see how all that kind of runs through the Bible? All the, Well, Abraham was sleeping on God. Peter, James, and John was over there sleeping on Jesus. Are y'all getting this? I don't, I don't hope you... Mm, Lord help, right? I hope you're getting it. This is really can change your life. This will change you from the inside when you begin to see, see how God flows. See how God is. That He did it all. So, He made the covenant. Abraham slept through it. And those are like, there's three things here that I just love. That was the covenant. The Abrahamic covenant was made at that moment. The covenant, listen, the covenant that God said was eternal. That covenant would never end. That's what he said. This is an eternal covenant. That means a lot of things to, you know, it means a lot of things politically. I'll tell you that now. It means political things. It means in the future, the whole world is going to be affected because of this covenant God made here. The whole world. Because God has said, I'm giving you this. And no matter what mankind does, at the end of the day, I gave it, they're getting it. Because I'm God and y'all ain't. (laughs) And that's what he's telling the politicians of this world. But for us... Spiritually, it's what the new covenant, this is the type, this is the shadow of the new covenant. This is what the new covenant is all about. We have an eternal covenant with Him. We have a blood covenant. We have promises. And we have these signs of God's presence. So there's three signs of His presence. One was the darkness. Y'all, do y'all believe that God has darkness around Him? God, that speaks of mystery. Okay, so this can help you with your relationship with the Lord. Okay, the darkness that Abraham fell into speaks of God's mysterious self. That God, and in fact, there's a couple of scriptures I didn't put them up there. One on Psalm 97, verse two, it says, "Clouds and darkness surround Him. Righteousness and righteousness and justice are the foundation of His throne. Clouds and darkness surround Him. God, there's a mystery about God." Listen to Psalm 18, verse 11. He made darkness his secret place. He made darkness his secret place. His canopy around him was dark, was dark waters and thick clouds of the sky. Not interesting about the Lord. So there's this mysterious aspect to God that he's always going to be like a mystery to us in a lot of ways. Even though we begin to know him as a father, we begin to know Him as our Lord, as our Savior. We begin to know Him as a friend. We begin to know Him in all these different ways. We begin to know the Holy Spirit as a comforter. All these amazing things. But there's still parts of God that we don't know. There's aspects of God we don't know that we can't understand with our mind. And so that's what happens a lot of times. God does things, and it's mysterious to us. We don't understand why God is doing why he, what He's doing. I have actually told the Lord, Lord, this is contrary to what the Scripture teaches about you, of what I see going on. But here, that's a very immature statement. It may be contrary to my little mind and my little understanding, but to Him, it, He never does anything contrary to Himself. Are y'all following this? So this can, should 
I want to encourage you. Abraham, the father of faith, he had this darkness he had to deal with. He had this mystery about God that he had to learn how to work with and learn how to flow with. And when God came in a mysterious way, he had to adjust himself to how God was coming. He did not have God figured out. Is this okay? Because y'all are looking at me like, why is he saying this? This is boring. I don't like this. This is profound. This can change your relationship with the Lord. The other thing is the ovens. If you go through and study, this is the oven. It's not your oven at the house, by the way, with the turkey burning. (laughs) The Bible always speaks of ovens. Everywhere it speaks about an oven, you know what it's talking about? Suffering. Ooh, suffering. Ooh, Christians have, God suffered on the cross, right? That's one of the ways the Lord's going to come to us as a suffering servant. And sometimes God embraces us as a suffering servant. And you know what that means when He's embracing you as a suffering servant? What does that mean? It means you're suffering. It means you're going to have suffering in this life. You're going to go through things in this life that's going to hurt you and it's going to be painful to you. That's got a big amen, right? But that's one of the ways God reveals Himself to us. It's through the suffering that people walk through in this tragic world we live in. And I think everybody in the room would, would totally agree that we, you've suffered probably some something in your life that's really hurt you. Um, but not everybody agrees that we're supposed to suffer. You know, so when, when it happens to you, you act like that some thing's coming on you. That's what I think James or Peter once said about this fiery trial that comes. Like, this, why in the world? This is unusual. And he, he James or Peter, whichever one that said this, because both of them talked about fiery trials, he said, don't think it's unusual. Don't think this is abnormal. When you're going through this. And the reason he was saying don't think it, because every time you go through some bad thing, you think that, right? You think something's wrong. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? You think, or if, you, if you're not thinking, somebody's going to tell you something's wrong with you. You did something bad. That's why you're suffering. You're a bad person and God has finally caught up with you. You got something bad in your history that's caused all these bad things to happen. And that's not true. And that's, I don't think it's true. Y'all are being hard to get along with this morning. That's all I can say. And the other one, which is the last one, and I'm going to stop because y'all are being so hard to get along with, is the, is the torch, it's the fire. It's the Lord comes to us as the fire. Now, let's think about fire. Just think about fire for a minute. Think about, like, campfires. Y'all, do y'all know about campfires? Uh, who, how many people have boys, especially boys? Uh, we were camping this summer and with Philip and Luke, my grandson, obviously loves playing in the fire. You know, what boy don't want to play in the fire? I build fires and I still play in them. I just love to get the sticks, put it in there, bring it out, you know. Get those, babe! <laughs> Stop doing that! You know, Philip was fussing at Luke. I was like, oh, Philip! You did it. 
Let him play in the fire. I'll take care of him. Because what does fire do? Right? Fire, what draws us? Right? When we have a campfire, we're drawn to it. Okay, but if you get too close to it, guess what it does to you? It'll burn you. Now, I'm going to tell you something. God's a lot like that. See, there's this thing that, about God that will draw us to Him. But there's also this thing, when you get really close to the presence of the Lord, you know what? It's terrifying. It's horrible. That There really is that. There's this part of God that's amazing and sweet and beautiful and draws you in, but at the same time, there's this part of God. It's like what, what Abraham was experiencing, this horror. I know we're not used to talking about God in those terms, this horror that came, because suddenly you're in the presence of this holy being. And when you get in the presence of that holy being, it feels like a horror to you. It feels like you're getting burned up. It feels like you want, it feels like what Isaiah said, Isaiah 6. He had been a prophet for five chapters. And he had this encounter with the Lord. And he said, I saw the Lord. I saw in his train field. Remember that? And he heard all this stuff going on in heaven. And what was the first words that came out of his mouth when he saw that? Woe. Woe. Woe is me. Because I'm a man of unclean lips. After he had been prophesying. After God had been using. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live amongst a man of un- people of unclean. So there's a presence of the Lord. There's a, this thing about God that he draws us close to him. The heat draws us. The fire draws us. And we like to play in it and we enjoy it. But there's also this thing that it can burn you. And it can hurt you really bad. It really can. Are y'all following this? And see that's what, how the Lord was revealing himself. You know, and he stayed that fire with them. All through, you know, his descendants had that fire in the desert. It was like a light to them. You know, in, in the dark places. And so, I think for me, what, what a lot of this does for me, it really sort of helps me to understand when we talk about God being a covenant God, it sort of helps me sort of get what he's like. And it helps me sort of get like, oh, this is... This is why my life is like this. This is, this is why my relationship with the Lord is like this. It's, you know, are y'all hearing me? Is anybody getting this? I really want you to get it really bad. You know, because this can change your life. You know, when you, and then when you, th- when you think about the blood of Jesus, you sing about the blood of Jesus, all of a sudden you have a different thought about it. it it's not just that it cleansed of your sin. It is the very essence that brings you into God and keeps you. It keeps you in there. It's powerful. And God, and that's the way God is. That's how He is. And He wants us to have that. He wants us to quit trying to have a relationship with Him and trying to get close to Him. He wants us to know all that. But if you don't, for me, this, this reveals that to me. Oh, that's how He is. That's how He is. That's why I can have a relationship with Him. And when the darkness comes, it ain't just the devil. God comes in the darkness. And He can speak to me even when I have these dark times in my life. And I can find His heart in the dark times, in the difficult times. And when He really comes to me real close, which He don't do often like that, where it scares me so bad, and, the, and, and 
my first words was, I'm sorry. That was my first words. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I repent. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I have accepted a Christian life that is way below what you have. It's way below who you are. It's way beyond your holiness. It's way beyond your glory. And I've lived in something and accepted something. That's how Isaiah felt. That's why he was saying, woe is me. I'm in the presence of pure holiness. And God, and I think for some people in this room, I think I'm hoping for all of us. I'd like to do it together one day. Honestly, Lord, why don't you let your presence come like this one Sunday morning? When we're all, you know why in revival, when they talk about repentance, in real revival, you know why people are repenting? Because God got real close to them. And all of a sudden they realize, I've got to repent. I've got to repent. It ain't some motion thing. It ain't some guy. It's, boy, I'm telling you, if God came, if God comes like that, when God comes like that, I promise you, you're going to be, even if you don't rebe- believe in repentance anymore, even if you don't believe in confession of sin anymore, you're gonna, that's the first thing you'll do. You'll be on your face weeping before the Lord. And you'll get up from there and something's going to be different with you. Here's what's going to be different. That fire that's already in you, it is going to be stoked. And you're going to be burning on the inside. And you're going to start listening to that fire because all of a sudden you're going to find out that fire actually talks and it crackles when it's burning. You're going to hear stuff from the fire because it really does speak. That's why it came on people, the tongue thing, to tell us something, that the fire of God talks. And He wants us to start listening to the fire. Listen to the voice of the fire. Wow, y'all are a very tough group. Y'all really are. Lord, help us. Help us. Lord, I just pray. I just pray this, Lord, that we would get a revelation of your covenant nature. We'd get that revelation. Not a, not a mental, but a revelation. And that we'd get a, a revelation of that we're kings and priests. And that you have put us on this earth, Lord, for a purpose. And it's to take that covenant nature and what it's all about and what it's like and what it really is and let the world in on it. Let all those people out there in on that. Help them get there. I just pray you do that, Lord. All right, before I stop, who's sick in the room this morning? Anybody sick? Raise your hand. Wow, y'all, stand up, Robert. We're going to pray for Robert. Anybody else need a prayer for healing? All right, so a couple of people around. All right, here, there's, all right, come on, y'all, finally getting brave here. Everybody around those two, four people, let's lay hands on them right now. Because five people, anybody else, we want to pray. I don't, we heard a good salvation word from, from Dean. Now we're hearing the rest of salvation, which means saved, healed, and delivered. Lord, we just pray right now. You release, release, Lord, their healing virtue in this room. You release it on these people standing, whatever they're suffering from, Lord. You would touch them right now. We just release that covenant, covenant upon them today that they would be healed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our covenant keeper. Thank you, Lord.